0: You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches Podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope, where you can belong as you change, and change as you follow Jesus. If you have a Bible, you want to open it, it will be in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, read a short passage from this uh, ancient letter found in the Bible. Hebrews ten, and we'll begin in verse eleven. I'll give you just a second to get there. It'll also come up on the screen if you want to look up there as well. All right. Hebrews ten eleven says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. We say amen to the Word of God this morning. May it, may He teach us through His Word. You may be seated. Yeah, before all the storms hit this past day or so, I was able to get my grass mowed. <laughs> and uh, if you know anything about me, I've been feeling really stressed because I love spring and summer and into the early fall. And I love being out working in the yard, mowing the grass. And because of timing, I just had not been able to mow my grass. Y'all think I'm weird, because I was like, I was like, yeah, finally, now I feel like I'm, I'm back in sync again, mowing my grass. I was thinking back a few years and uh, my family lived in Arkansas and we had gone actually gone like a week away. Uh, I can't remember the, all the details. I don't remember if it was a vacation or if I was speaking somewhere, I don't remember. I know that we were all gone for a week. And when we came home, uh, I knew that my grass had grown because it grew fast in our neighborhood. And I knew my grass was going to be up and I was going to have to mow it. And it was, I remember it was a long drive, probably like four hours. And uh drove home and I the first thing I got to do is mow the grass, or so I'm not going to be able to rest. Um, you know, come back from vacation. The next do you actually need to. Vacation day at the end of your vacation to make up for all that happens on vacation. Maybe you know what I'm talking about I don't know, but but I needed that day of rest But I knew I was like I had to mow that grass as soon as I got home and I was not really looking forward to it at that point point. And I drove up into my neighborhood and as I turned the corner with it in a cul-de-sac I saw a familiar truck with a trailer parked right in front of the on the street right in front of my house And I saw standing in my driveway my good friend Doug and I saw his once older son pushing a lawn mower in my front yard. And then around the corner from the house comes his younger son on a riding lawn mower. They had brought their equipment over to our house and was mowing my grass, trying to get it done and gone before we got home. And we got home right as they were kind of finishing up and his, his younger son, Devin's just like riding this, riding mower like, yeah, I get to mow the pastor's yard. This kid loved to mow the grass. Um, he actually got a jo- uh, like created his own business for a while after, after that mowing, mowing grass for people. And I got to thinking, man, that was such a gift. I was given this gift. There was something that had to be done. And I, I I probably could do it, but I just didn't want to do it. But I got this gift of I didn't have to do it because it was already done. Have you ever had somebody do something for you, like you really weren't looking forward to doing something? And if somebody did it, it for you, kind of an unexpected gift, right? How does that feel? Real just, just real quick. How does it feel when that happens? It feels great. Other other things, other feelings shocking yeah like why why yeah Love, yeah, it's a gift of love. Absolutely, when this happens. Um, but today's Palm Sunday, and we're going to be talking about this gift that God's given us. Uh, and it's for us. It's a second week in a series we're doing called "Jesus Is," and we're discussing how Jesus is a prophet, priest, and king, and why that matters to us and in, um, in our lives today. So Palm Sunday is this day we remember Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people are laying their cloaks and waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna. And if you've been in church, probably ever, or if you've been in Sunday school ever, you've seen the pictures. You've had it. Some churches, even today, they're having little programs and they're waving palm branches. And that's cool. That's a great way to worship and a great way to celebrate. And so when I think of this story of what's happening here, it's actually something that predates Jesus about 150 years that there was this, the, the, these, the group of people, the, the Jews, were under the thumb of a group of people called the Seleucids. And the Seleucids were ruling. They had an empire. And the, the Jews were under their thumb. And there arose this leader named Judas Maccabees. And Judas Maccabees led a revolt against the Seleucids. And he led them to victory and freedom. And he was this great hero of the Jewish people. They actually thought he might be the Messiah because he led the people in this revolt and they, we've overcome the empire. And on the day that they won the victory, he rode into Jerusalem and they waved palm branches shouting, Hosanna, which means save now. Hosanna. And then he even had coins The coins that were printed for that were at use in Jerusalem from the time of Judas Maccabeus on for a while, they had a palm branch on them. This was a symbol of the victory that had been won there. Well time had gone by in 150 years and there was a new empire on the scene, the Roman Empire, and now the Jews found themselves under the thumb of the Roman Empire. And so when Jesus rides into the town, on this same day, they do a little pageant every single year at the beginning of Passover. Someone rides into town and they wave the palm branches, remembering Judas Maccabees, praying that someday, someday God would send another Messiah to save them from the, this new empire. And as Jesus rides in, and they're laying the, palm, the, the cloaks on the ground, and he's riding on the donkey, and they're waving the palm branches, shouting, Hosanna, save now. Their mindset is, save now as before. Save us now, like, like, but like Judas Maccabees did 150 years ago. Save us now as before. And Jesus basically comes and says, I've come to save now, but in a different way, not as before but now and forever, not just, not just to give freedom to a people, but freedom to all people, and that's what Palm Sunday is really all about, Jesus Jesus fulfilling this, this prophecy of being the Messiah, but saving us now and forever in a new way. So the main idea here of if, if Hebrews is um, the book of Hebrews, or letter of Hebrews, is that all the way through... Hebrews, if you were to read it, you'll find like Jesus is the subject. There's like, there's no other subject in Hebrews but Jesus. And Jesus is superior. This is like the main idea. Jesus is superior to all other traditions, all other heritage, all other people at any other time. And Jesus did something on the cross that changed everything. That's what we're talking about. That's what Hebrews was talking about. So here's our big idea for today Jesus is your gift of forgiveness and holiness. You have zero hoops to jump through. Jesus is your gift of forgiveness and holiness. You have zero hoops to jump through. So, a couple of thoughts, and I want to hang out in and hang out with one to start with, and it's this idea that the weight is removed. The weight is removed. A number of years ago, I was actually took some some guys who I was their youth pastor, and we were going to Colorado, and we were doing a we were doing a we were we went to go uh, rafting or. Canoeing down, down the, the river and we, we ended up um, ended up buzzing we ended up uh, actually wanting to do a hike as well and so to prepare for the hike I began to walk every day for an hour with a 50 pound vest on you ever seen those weighted vests? I put a 50 pound vest on, and five days a week I would walk an hour, which is from, it was about three or four miles, I guess. I was walking every day with a 50 pound vest on to prepare me for that. And when I, every time I did that and I took the, the vest off, I felt like I was going to float away. I don't know if you've ever had one of those on, but I, when, as soon as you took it off, it felt like, whoa, I was going to fly away because the weight was removed. Have you ever had a great weight lifted? From you like a great weight that was they felt like was on your shoulders, and actually it was on your mind or on your heart. And how does it feel when you have something heavy on your heart or on your mind lifted? What does that feel like? What, what, what emotions do you feel in that moment? Relief, ah, yeah, what else? Freedom, freedom. yeah, because that's like you are bound up, and now there's freedom, like I can breathe again anything else comfort. comfort absolutely so today we read this about jesus being our high priest and our understanding of priests that we have probably comes predominantly from what our understanding of the catholic church or a few protestant denominations that have priests instead of pastors or preachers um, and so a simple description of the priest is a person you go to to confess sins and, or, or to have rites or rituals administered. Now, the priest will offer uh, prayers and readings and sermons and sacraments to you or to God on your behalf. This is what the priest does. So the idea is you're carrying a weight and the priest helps you get lifted. That's the idea of the priest. So Hebrews was written uh, in the first century to, and actually two first century Jews who began following Jesus and believing he is the Messiah. So the writer knows they're familiar with the Jewish priesthood, which is very actually kind of different than what we understand the priesthood to be about. He reminds them that under the old covenant that they had, the first covenant, that the priest offers the same sacrifices day after day. You bring a sacrifice, he offers it again and again. He offers this. And these sacrifices were for the forgiveness of sins, but he points out these sacrifices can never actually remove the sins. They were for the forgiveness of the sins, but they didn't take those sins away. So why would we be dri- Why would they be drifting back to these old ways? Because that's what was happening. Hebrews is written because these Jews that began to follow Jesus, believing He was Messiah, were now starting to kind of go back and go, well, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's really focus on all the traditions again. So why would they go back to all these traditions instead of trusting Jesus completely? And I think a part of it could be because it's really hard, in their mindset especially, to, to, to like not have a priest to bring a sacrifice to. like you're, you're supposed to bring a sacrifice because forgiveness of sin requires a sacrifice. That's a, that's a principle found in religions all around the world. Like forgiveness of sin requires a sacrifice. You may have heard it quoted in Scripture, the wages of sin is death. That's found all around the world in various religions. That Forgiveness of sin requires sacrifice. It's what they know, and it's what makes sense to them. But these sacrifices by the priesthood could never take away those sins. The pattern was, sin, sacrifice, forgiveness, repeat. (laughs) That doesn't work. Sin, sacrifice, forgiveness, repeat. That That was the plan, and that was what they did. Over and over again for generation after generation, you carried the weight of your sin, you carried the weight of your selfishness, you carried the weight of your brokenness. And God wants that weight removed. So Jesus changes everything. Jesus came to the world to forgive our sins and to heal our brokenness. And even though the old covenant sacrifices had, had to be performed again and again, year after year, again and again, year after year, the sacrifice of Jesus, his death on the cross, is a once-it-for-all event. It's a once and for all event. We don't have to keep shedding blood. Jesus is the once and for all priest and sacrifice. That kind of jumped off the page at me when I was studying this. He's the priest and he's the sacrifice. No need to go back again and again. What we see here is the breaking, of, breaking in of a new way that things will be ordered. It's called the kingdom of God. And we hear the words kingdom of God and we get all kind of these ideas. And this is what Hebrews is saying. This is the breaking in of a new way of things. A new high priest and a sacrifice. You gotta understand. It's been done. It's done now. Your sacrifice is, it's been sacrificed for you. It's Jesus. He's your priest, he's your sacrifice. A system of justice now that's based on terms of grace and mercy and forgiveness. That blew their minds as much as it still kind of blows ours if we really think about it. A system of justice? That's based on grace and mercy and forgiveness, not towing the line, not jumping through hoops, not, not checking off every little checklist thing, but grace and mercy and forgiveness. This is the way of the kingdom, and the result is really, really good news. And in, in the Bible, there's a, there's a letter called Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Anybody. Does that sound like good news? I mean how much condemnation do we have that we put others put on us right people put condemnation on us condemn us there's you know social media has amped that up a little bit and what we end up doing to us is, is putting condemnation on ourselves like looking at ourselves and going I've done it I've done it I've been there I've looked in the mirror before and go I can't stand you, can you explain condemnation? condemnation is condemning like I can like being condemned like you have no hope you're condemned. That's what it means. And so, we do that to ourselves as much as, as other people will do it to us. But we do. I was just saying, I've, I've been in a place in my life where I've looked in the mirror and go, I just don't like you. That's condemnation, self-condemnation. But this is the good news. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because He's the high priest and the sacrifice. He's done it. He's Delivered us from this. Jesus is the gift of forgiveness. He is this gift. If you find yourself carrying the weight of sin, our fear, our, our condemnation, our brokenness, in Jesus, the weight is removed. If you're still under that weight this morning, I would encourage you today, man, come to Jesus and let Him lift that weight. And when the weight's removed, we walk in righteousness. We walk in righteousness. And that Colorado hike that I was preparing for, I put that that fifty pound vest on for a, for several weeks and walked uh, walked you know an hour a day wearing it. When I got there, the guide was like, "Oh no, you don't have to carry your pack. We actually take all the packs and we load them up on this vehicle and drive them up to the site that way." Because because they knew we were like you know a bunch of Non hikers, and this is Colorado. You're at ele- he's like you're at elevation, and uh, you're not used to the how the how thin the air is up here. And so we don't expect you to carry these 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 fifty pound backpacks. We load them up in the car, drive them way up the mountain to the spot, and we hike it. And I was able to stay on the path. I could I could breathe. I could stay keep my feet on the path and keep moving forward on that because the weight was removed. What helps keep your feet on the right path? What helps you? Real quick. What helps you keep your feet on the right path? Friends. Friends. Good. What else? My mom. Your mom. Family members. Yeah. Thank God for moms and dads and grand- grandparents, aunties, others in our lives who just, right? Yeah. What else keeps, helps you keep your feet on the right path? Hope. Your hope. Yeah, hope. Absolutely. When you have hope, you can keep going right path. What else? accountability That's a huge one. And that's one we don't, I'm, you know, sad to say we don't care too much for, but it's important. I have three guys in my life, other pastors who are my accountability partners. Plus my wife holds me accountable on a lot of stuff. But these guys, you know, we meet once a month and we talk and it's like, there's, there's no masks. There's no, there's no hidden agendas. There's like, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've been, here's if I'm struggling with something, here it is. Um, and we just hold each other accountable. All kinds of good. That's a great one. Anything else? Helps us keep our feet on the right path. That, uh, that mirror you spoke about. The mirror. Look in the mirror honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Are you happy with yourself when you go to sleep tonight? Yeah. One, yeah that's a good point. He says, you know, that question is, are you happy with yourself when you go to sleep tonight? And um, I would change the word happy to peace for me. Like, because there's a lot of things, you know, I, mean, I wasn't really happy how the day went, but can I get some peace before I, before I like, lay down? And God can help you do that. That's a good. There was, um, in Hebrews and in the, in, the, in the culture, there's a specific priest known as the high priest. And the high priest had this special distinction about him. He goes, because inside the temple, there's a special place uh, where sacrifices are made, and it's called the holy place. And then inside the holy place is another place that's called the most holy place or the holy of holies where, where a special sacrifice was made once a year and it was inside that, this holy place the holy of holies that only the high priest could go and he would go in there um, and, and it, was at, but it was once a year and it's divided by this thick curtain I mean this huge big curtain if you read the description of how this was put together like this curtain is huge and it's thick and there's nothing goes in and out and, and, and it's it's called the veil. And the veil is there. And, and, and it's considered, this is because it's the place where God's presence dwelt. That's what the people believed. Like the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant that was inside. Have you ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, that holy thing? Like that's inside there and God's presence is in there. And God's presence is too holy and too amazing and too powerful that if this regular old people walk in there, even a regular old priest walks in there, they're gonna fall down dead. So, the high priest had to go through tremendous amount of purification rituals and cleansing rituals once a year to go in on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, he would sprinkle the blood of a bull on the altar inside the Holy of Holies for himself and for his family. Then he would sprinkle the blood of a, of a goat uh, or a lamb on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, on the, on the, on the altar for, for the people, for all the people, for the whole nation. And then he would light incense on the Ark of the Covenant. One day a year, the Day of Atonement, this would take place. And he actually he wore bells, on his on his cloak, so they could hear him, because nobody could check on him. Because if he was in there a long time and they, they the bells quit, they couldn't hear the bells ring. They figured he didn't get holy enough and he fell down dead. And so he actually went in with a rope tied to him, so they could pull him out. That's the that's, that's this place, the holy of holies. When Jesus hung on the cross, when Jesus hung on the cross, today we're talking about Palm Sunday and Jesus is heading to this moment. On what we call Friday, Good Friday, taking his final breath on the cross, proclaiming it is finished, it is accomplished, this this covenant, the first covenant, it's fulfilled, the curtain that I'm just talking about, the veil of the Holy of Holies, it ripped. At the moment Jesus took that final breath and said, it's finished, the veil ripped. There's nobody could rip it, especially from top to bottom because it was so high. It ripped top to bottom. Jesus gives us all access to the presence of God. That's what that was about. Like the Holy of Holies is like, God's like, I'm not in this temple anymore. I'm not in a building anymore. I'm not in a room anymore. I am with you. Come into the Holy of Holies. You are the most holy place. I want to come into your life. We don't come to God based on our goodness. We come to God based on his grace and his mercy. So if you're sitting here thinking, man, I just, I, just, I just don't feel like I'm good enough yet. You can't be good enough. It's, you come to God based on His grace and His mercy. The door to the Holy of Holies is open to you. No matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how, if you've fallen away, no matter it, how broken you feel or you really are, the door to the presence of the love of God has been forever opened up. And nobody can put the veil back up. It's done. The first readers of Hebrews, they would be familiar with a certain type of thinking. And it was, sounds familiar to me. It's, it's basically like, I can basically do whatever I want and then go to the priest and ask for forgiveness and then go back to doing whatever I want. It's like that was, that was kind of the mindset. And it's led to an abdication of their responsibility for what they knew about God. I mean, they knew some things about God. He gave them what's called Torah, which is basically a bunch of law. And basically, they were very familiar with it. And when they would just go, I can just go to the priest and ask for forgiveness, and and he'll make a sacrifice for me, and then I'll, I'll I'll be good. There was an abdication of their responsibility. If you ever abdicated your responsibility for what you know to be true, I've certainly been there. But verse 14 says it's because of Jesus' death on the cross, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Now, we can get hung up on that word perfect. Because we're like, oh, well, you know, no perfect people allowed. That's a little thing we say once in a while here. No perfect people allowed. No, we know none of us are perfect. I mean, we get hung up on this word perfect. The word perfect here, if you take it and look at the original language, what it literally means is complete. It literally means whole. It's like, here's the phrase, Jesus makes you complete. It makes you holy as you go. Jesus makes you complete. He completes you. There's a hole, in there's somewhere in our lives there's a hole. I've heard it called the, uh, um, the, the black hole of the soul. Like there's a vacuum, a God-shaped hole, and, and only God fits in it. And everything else we try to put in it doesn't fit. But God fits perfectly in that space, in that hole. And it's there He makes us complete. And as He makes us complete, Makes you holy as you go. Holiness is a walk; it's a journey. It's a you, there's a big churchy word called sanctification, and some of y'all probably know it, and, and it means to be made holy, and it's a journey. It starts at a moment, but it continues as you walk with Him. So we mess up. We realize, well, there's no nobody's perfect, and then we'll get upset with ourselves, and we doubt God's love, and Jesus says you can walk in righteousness. He says you can walk in righteousness because he makes you complete. That's why. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's the gift. Jesus is your gift of forgiveness and holiness. You have zero hoops to jump through. And then the last thought I want to bring it home with, and this is at the risk of being overly cultural, <laughs> stay woke through repentance. And I said at the risk of being overly cultural, I had a friend yesterday who, who did a tweet, and it was basically, can we, can we just retire the word woke now? And I said, uh, not unless you're not all about that stay woke lifestyle, brah. <laughs> and then I was like, also, not until after my sermon tomorrow. <laughs> stay woke through Repentance. We have, you have zero hoops to jump through. And we keep coming back to, that's what, what Hebrews is written to. They kept going, well, yeah, this is cool, but, but we need some hoops to jump through. I mean, we're supposed to jump through hoops. I mean, that's our religion. That's what religion is, jumping through hoops. So, so let's go back to that, jumping through hoops. That way we know. If we jump through all the hoops, then we know we're good, right? Why do we seem to keep defaulting to jumping through religious hoops? There's this new covenant that God made. He made it with all of us through Jesus. It wasn't just for one nation, one people group. It's for all people group. That was through that first covenant that God's God's promise was, this covenant is so all the nations of the world would be blessed through you. And Jesus is that blessing for all nations to the world. And he says now, Jesus says, "I I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. The sacrifices looked different. We get the idea of a lamb and a goat, but there's grain sacrifices. There was, there was you know, doves that were sacrificed. There were, um, they would being bred and they would sacrifice. There were different cultures and different religions that had sacrifices, and they would do all kinds of things to their bodies and with, with others in order to have a sacrifice. When your sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. You become the sacrifice. You become a living sacrifice. You you offer yourself daily. So God no longer requires our sacrifice. But here's the thing, we're wired to desire to, to accomplish things. And so a lot of times we can get up in this because we're wired with this desire to accomplish things. Like, oh, well, God will be happy if I accomplish this, this, and this. We tend to like boxes to check off. And we tend to like, you know, well, if God doesn't give us boxes to check off, then well, I'll, I'll create some boxes. And that's on us. That's what, that, and that's, that helps some of us. It's, and that's, it's okay, but you can't give other people those boxes because God didn't give them. But when we've turned toward God, which is what repentance is, by the way, we use that word repentance, it means to turn toward God. We live awakened to the truth that our sins are forgiven and that we're completely being made holy. Our sins are forgiven. We're complete and we're completely being made holy as we go with him. And we stay turned toward God. And we stay woke. (laughs) The key is stay and turn toward God. Turn yourself, turn your life, turn your eyes towards Jesus. Because Jesus did it. He did it. All the stuff that we want that we what we feel like we got to do, he did it. Jesus, he's forgiveness. Forgiveness is yours. Righteousness is yours. Oh, not me. Not me, Steve. Yeah, you. Holiness is yours. Wholeness. Completeness is yours. All thanks to what Jesus has done. And you and I don't have to do what's already done. Jesus and His Son, He mowed your grass. It's done. Complete. He says, come rest. Come into my rest. We don't have to do what's already done. But what we do, we do, we don't do to earn God's love. The things we do, we don't do to earn God's love. We do what we do because we already have it. People will challenge me on this sometimes. Oh, you're religious. You go to church. You read your Bible. You say prayers. Yeah, I don't do any of that to earn God's love. I do all of that because I love God, and this draws me closer to Him. Singing worship songs with you guys. I love singing them just by myself in my car, but singing them with you guys. It's amazing. It's awesome. I don't do it because I feel like I have to to be a good Christian. I do it because my love grows for God and for you when we do that. Reading the Bible. I don't do it because, well, I'm a good Christian. I make a checklist. Read your Bible if you're going to be a good Christian. I read my Bible because when I read it, God speaks to me. And when he speaks to me, he draws me closer into his love, closer into his healing. And the less days I have where I look in the mirror and go, I don't like that guy. The more days I have, I look in that mirror and go, thank you, God. Thank you for how you created me. So good. I don't pray because, well, you're a Christian, you're supposed to pray. I pray because it's in prayer that I'm in communication with this God who loves me. And he speaks, and I hear, and, and, and I'm not saying I hear out loud, out loud voices all the time. I hear of my, in my heart, I hear God speak. And, he, and I get to talk to him, too. How cool is that? It's not, it's not hoops to jump through to get to earn God's love. It's because of what he's already done that I do these things. And that's what I want for you guys, all of you guys, you guys watching online. What I would want for you is to have this kind of relationship with God where he's so real that it's almost like you get goosebumps (laughs) because I got there right now just just talking about it because he's here in our midst the creator of all things and we have no need to go through another person nor to come to God and I always say this and like and I will always be here to pray with you and talk with you anytime you need to and you should be there for one another as well to pray together and talk together but we all come to God through Jesus he's the high priest he is our high priest. You have the same access I do. I've had uh, some people say, i got a prayer request for you, Pastor Steve, because I know God listens to your prayers. And I'm like, He listens to yours too. I'd be glad to pray for you. I'll pray, pray with you. But you pray. You pray because God hears you. I'm no closer to God than you are. You have the same access. Another New Testament writer that, uh, that, that, that loved Jesus and followed Jesus, he talks about Jesus being our high priest. He says, you also become a priest yourself. We all are priests. We can all come to God and speak to him when we follow Jesus. First Peter 2.9, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. He's talking about us. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He calls you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So Jesus is our gift of forgiveness and holiness, and you have zero hoops to jump through. But what is your next step? And don't hear that as, what is the next hoop I've got to jump through? Because wherever we are, we always on this journey have a next step. And I feel like every, every day or every week there's a, there's, there's a next step for us. And the way God's been really kind of speaking to me lately is, what is the, you know to, to ask these questions, what's the next thing I need to really think about? What's the next thing I really need to let my brain just, just what do I need to think on? Or, or what is the next thing I need to feel? Because God wants you to feel, maybe it's like I don't feel anything been there. Maybe that's the next step. God, God, I want to feel something from you. What's the next thing I need to do? Not the next hoop you need to jump through, but, but what is the next step? Maybe there's something I need to do that I haven't been doing. Maybe that step is there's something I don't need to do that I've been doing. I need to stop. And as the result of this, you show the goodness of God to all people around you, to everyone. One thing you can do, a next step that that anybody can do, everybody in the room can do, is invite someone to come next week to our Easter worship gathering. Because next week, I mean, Palm Sunday is a big deal. If you hadn't noticed, I like Palm Sunday. But Easter is even bigger. That's the resurrection day. And invite somebody. I would even give you a challenge. We have these tools out there, these invite cards. One is the the this postcard size says "Finding Your Way Back to God." It's been our theme since the day we launched October 2017. We actually did a whole series called "Finding Your Way Back to God," and you could take that and just put it in somebody's hand. Take take five of these, or take five of these little the little cards, and uh, just hand them just like to a friend or family. Because here's what studies have shown over the last couple of decades that on Easter. People who don't go to church are 80% more likely to accept an invitation to church on Easter Sunday. Hey, did you know it's Easter this Sunday? Well, you want to come to church with me? And the studies show that 80% of people are more likely to come on Easter Sunday than any other time. So I would encourage you guys, make that invitation. And some of you got college students should be going home. Invite, invite people to come to your home church where you go there. And if you're here, come and bring, bring, your, bring your five people or more with you as well. Lord, we love you. How we just thank you that, that we can come into your presence and, and um, we can rest a minute. <laughs> for some of us, or we haven't really like, just sat and just kind of listened for 30 minutes or an hour at all this week. So thank you, Lord, that you, you created this thing that we call church. For some of us, it's that one time a week where we pause. Kind of reminds us of this word, Sabbath, which means to cease. And as we cease, as we pause, Lord, I feel like you connect with us because we finally are slowing down. We finally stepped out of our busyness for a minute. And you've been speaking to us the whole time. We've just been so busy doing our own thing that we've missed it. And Lord, we don't want to miss you. And we don't want to miss you in this moment either. Because, Lord, we just thank you that while you always give us a next step, you always are leading us and guiding us to keep growing on our spiritual journey, that there's no hoops to jump through. Because you are our high priest and you are our final sacrifice for all time. Now, if there was still a need for sacrifices, there would still be a temple in Jerusalem where they were making them. But you are our sacrifice. We are your temple. We are the holy of holies as you come inside of us. Lord, maybe this morning that's something you need to convince us of. So Lord, we invite you in. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody that's that's here this morning that doesn't know you as prophet, priest, and king, savior, Lord, that in this moment, we would say yes. It's that simple, guys. Just yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. Let you begin that work that you've done in me and in so many people around here. Thank you for being the gift of grace and mercy. and Thank you for taking care of us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.